What's up, guys? It's Bang and Angry. We're the Mouthy Michiganders. We're back for our third installment of Outlaws and Gunslingers Ooh. Prohibition. I don't know yeah. why I said it like that. It's that old West boys. It's more right. like they're getting out of that. What would be nineteen twenties? What right. would be nineteen twenties? I don't know. Nineteen twenties. Looks like a nineteen twenties voice. Hello, sir. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. This is, hello, sir. This is. It was more sophisticated. It might have been like that in Britain in the 1920s. It was more but sophisticated. This is America. It was more sophisticated and more organized and more. I beg your pardon. Motherfuckers sure. weren't walking around with the torn up shirts on horses. They were fucking walking around fucking suits and ties and top hats. Top hats, as you can see by our next guest. Rolls Royces and fucking. As Fords. you'll see by our next guest, sort of speak all about George Remus. George Remus. George who's, Remus. Who the fuck is George Remus? I never heard of this guy until I uh, looked him up, and apparently he's a fucking American lawyer and bootlegger during the Prohibition era, obviously. Remus was known to have referred to himself in the third person after his rise to power during the early days of the Prohibition, no shit. which he reportedly continued to do until his death, reportedly. Right. reportedly. Right. George does not do this. Right. <laughs> he reportedly does not do this. It has been claimed that he was an inspiration for the title character Jake Gatsby in The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Spitzgerald. Well, right. that's cool. You know, Great Gatsby, the guy that throws all those fucking parties and shit. Right. Okay. Remus was born in Berlin, Germany in 1874 to Frank and Maria Remus. The Remus's family moved to <laughs> Chicago by the time he was five. Nice. At the age of 14, George supported the family by working at his uncle's pharmacy because Remus's father was unable to work. Okay. Remus became a certified pharmacist at 19 years old after graduating from the Chicago College of Pharmacy and bought the pharmacy at age 21. That's fantastic. So, uh, use of the word pharmacy. Well, that's great. All right. Look at this guy. Okay. Well, within five years of that, Remus expanded. Expanded. Buying another drugstore. Remus soon tired of the pharmacy business. He's like 24 years old. I'm sick of this shit. He goes, Half I want to be a lawyer. Is over. He's like, right. I'm going to be a lawyer. Right. right. Half my life Half is my over. Half my life's he over. That. There's no money here. I'm going to be a fucking lawyer. I'm smart. Well, Remus attended the Illinois College of Law, later merged with DePaul University College of Law. Okay. And then he was admitted to the Illinois Bar in 1904, so he became an official lawyer sure in did. the state of Illinois. Remus specialized in criminal defense, especially Moida. Okay. And became rather famous. He's like, this motherfucker will get you off. Or was he a prosecutor? He was a uh, defensive defense, yeah. murder. Yeah. yeah, this motherfucker get you off. Uh, by 1920, Remus was earning $50,000 a year, approximately $611,000 a day for doing nothing, letting off scumbags. Well, not doing nothing. <laughs> right. It's crazy. That's nuts. That was by 1920, yeah. So 16 years into the game, he's there. I mean, he's, I mean, but you think about it now. Okay, so he's the greatest defense lawyer at this time. So he's now, like a fucking Cochran. Right, he's like Johnny right. Cochran of his time. And right? then when two, when the 20s hit, when prohibition and all this shit, so they needed. A, so this guy was susceptible to susceptible to violence or to the bad part because these motherfuckers would be like, "All right, you're going to defend me. You're the best. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to be my lawyer." So bam, he instantly basically become like a boss. Well, like a boss. Not well, really like a boss. Alcohol prohibition began on January seventeenth, nineteen twenty. Oh no! With ratification of the Eighteenth <laughs> Amendment, obviously, and within a few months, Remus saw that his criminal clients were becoming very wealthy very quickly. Right. He decided to become a criminal himself. Why not? Lawyers using are his criminals. knowledge of he the was law. already a criminal. He was already a criminal. Using his knowledge of the law <laughs> to escape punishment. Right. Why wouldn't you not? So he's like, I'm earning. Fifty thousand a year. All right. 
But all these criminals that I'm hired to defend are, doing are literally that. making millions a year in a time when it would be multi-millions right. a year if you inflated it. And doing what he does? Oh, come on. Come right. on, right? Well, then uh, Remus memorized the Volstead Act and found loopholes. He's like, all right, I'm a good lawyer. I'm going to check this shit out. There's got to be something in here. Any good lawyer has to find the loopholes, right? Right. I would assume even if you're a shitty lawyer, you should be able to find some loopholes. Then he realized he can buy distilleries and pharmacies to sell bonded liquor to himself under government licenses for medical purposes. Yep. Okay. There's a way to do it. Well, everybody knows that when it's first started, right? They were fucking doing shit just to keep giving it. illegal prescriptions Obviously. and all that shit for alcohol well, for politicians and higher up. They needed it still. I mean, yeah. come on. Remus's employees would then hijack his own liquor so that he could sell it illegally. Like, man, I don't know what happened. My fucking liquor is getting hijacked. Smart. Remus moved to Cincinnati at this time in the region of the country where 80% of America's bonded whiskey was located. Yeah, Cincinnati in the Midwest was a big part of that. And bought up most of the whiskey manufacturers. He was like, fuck you. I'm coming in. I'm buying all this shit. Every one of them. Right. I'm oh. fucking... Uh, Remus. <laughs> right, I'm Remus. <laughs> I'm Remus, bitch. say he uh, referred to himself in the third person. You've been Remus. Re- You've been Remus. Right, he just got Remus. Well, in less than three years, Remus made $40 million. Which is equivalent to... Like uh, $100 million. Uh, Like a billion, I think. Right. With the help of his trusted number two man, you guessed it, George, George Connors. Connors. So Remus owned many of America's most famous distilleries, including the Fleshman Distillery. Which Remus bought for one hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars, right. price which included thirty. Fleischman, I think it's Fleischman. It included thirty-one hundred <laughs> gallons of whiskey. Damn, that's a lot. Thirty-one hundred gallons of whiskey, dude. That's a lot of whiskey. In addition to serving the Cincinnati community, many other small towns such as Newport, Kentucky, began serving as drinking towns where gamblers opened small casinos to entertain their drunken patrons. Right. I mean, money, money, sunny, sunny, honey, honey. Mm, what a business that was. Huh? Right. Roll it in, roll it in, roll it in. Where one of Ramus's fortified distilleries was the Death Valley Farm, which he purchased from Georgia Garum. The outside world thought it was only an acceptable by dirt road. <laughs> accessible. Sorry, guys. Well, yeah, only acceptable. Either you can way. only accept this. Either way. <laughs> the only way we're going to accept this fucking distillery if it's by a dirt road. Right. <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't want motherfuckers coming out of a paved road getting illegal alcohol. It's got to be a dirt road. That's not acceptable. Yeah, that's not acceptable at all. No, or accessible. <laughs> right. It would be very accessible. Right. <laughs> well, the only accessible way was to get there by dirt road. That's what people thought. Well, that's what they thought. Well, however, the actual distillery was located at 2656 Queen City Avenue. That is 2656 Queen City <laughs> Avenue. The alcohol you was probably distilled. won't regret it. <laughs> the alcohol was distilled. If you guys don't know what that is, go listen to the latest Lee and Corey episode. Uh, episode. The alcohol was distilled in the attic of the home. Of then dumb waiter below. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? 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 I mean, what happened there? You guys, if you've listened to the show for a while, you can already tell that he's speaking with an accent whenever right. he fucking does a sentence. The alcohol so, was, so that means, right. that means Shut his, up. Vision, his vision's a little fucking twisted right now. And right. so is his, so is his <laughs> fucking mind. Shut your so. face. The alcohol was distilled in the attic of the home, then dumb waiter below. What? <laughs> What? Oh my god! What does that have to do? You don't know what dumb waiter means? Yeah, 
Obviously, fucking facilitated. Piece of shit. Dumb like waitered. Right. Meaning they're asking the fucking um, waiter for something, like a code word, and then he Obviously. dumb waiters him the, the right. fucking, the, right. you know. Right. Right. It was it was held upstairs. If anybody wanted it, <laughs> they could get it. Right. The basement was where a trap door was located in a tunnel approximately 50 to 100 feet long and 6 feet under the earth. Okay, so they got a way to get out. Or was it just a fucking... Uh, and I just lied because it wasn't people asking for alcohol below. Well, the bootleggers would push the products along the tunnel out to a waiting car. Mm-hmm. Usually making it safely away. Usually, it says. <laughs> It is believed to be so there's been a couple times. Yeah, hey, it's out of here. It's out of here. I don't know yeah, what to well, Right. Right. It is believed to be one of the only locations never, ever busted <laughs> in the Cincinnati area. Isn't that great? That is great. In 1920, a raid by hijackers took place, but Remus's armed guards, led by John Karam, <laughs> fired heavy volleys. Karam, the, isn't it? Karam, I guess. Uh, they fired heavy volleys at the hijackers, Ooh. and for a short fight, the wounded attackers, after a short fight, <laughs> after what is a volley? It was a volley, and then after a short fight, the wounded attackers left. Jeez. <laughs> in addition to becoming the Quote unquote king of the bootleggers. Nice. Remus was known as a gracious host. There's Damn. where the great Gatsby well, uh, comes in. Why wouldn't you be? He held many parties, including a 1923 birthday Smart party man. for his wife, Imogene, right. when, uh, in which she appeared in a daring bathing suit along with other aquatic hey, dancers, serenaded by a 15 piece orchestra. Damn. Damn. Isn't that fucking, fucking great? Right. Children in the area also saw Remus as a fatherly figure. They're like, <laughs> oh. That guy is a fatherly figure. <laughs> fatherly. <laughs> Children in this area also. <laughs> I don't know why you restart. No, it's not like I'm editing none of this. You album. are. I'm not. You are. I don't. You Clearly, are. You don't well, you Clearly, you don't listen to the episode. Well, you should. Yeah, why? We should. That's entertaining. It's not. Well, it children is. in this area also <laughs> Remus as a fatherly figure. Figure. <laughs> Well, Jack Dow recalls an episode in which Ramus playfully tossed a boy into his Olympic size. Oh, they pool. just had to brag that it was right. an Olympic size, right? And then he was like, I'll give you $10 to buy a new suit. Well, $10 back in uh, right. the fucking, what? To get tossed 20s in his now, 30s? Pool and almost right. to die, All right? All right. Well, Dow states that if. Fall that a full boy's suit could be purchased for one dollar. Damn, so nineteen twenty nine dollars. That motherfucker didn't buy him a suit at all right. <laughs> and took the whole ten dollars and probably bought illegal alcohol with it. Yink it. Right. Remus and his wife held a New Year's Eve party at their manu mansion. Manu. <laughs> at the manure. manure mansion. At the manure mansion. <laughs> he is. Uh Remus and his wife held a New uh, uh, anyway, yeah, they had a New Year's party at the new mansion, nicknamed yeah. the Marble Palace. Right. And the year was 1922. <laughs> <laughs> the guests included 100 couples from the most prestigious. 100 couples? So 100 couples. So that doesn't mean there's 200 people there, huh? At least. Right. Right. Just in the area. Well, right. As parting gifts, Remus presented all the men with diamond stick pins. Don't know what that is, but And cool. gave each guest's wife a brand new car. Well, then the men, no whatever shit. a diamond stick pin is, it's probably way more expensive than a new car. Right. Remus yeah. held a similar party in June of 2000. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, <damn! laughs> 
That motherfucker's still alive. Right. This motherfucker's get 160 them a, years get him a old. Stick pen and give her a card. It was like, really? Really? That's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> what am I supposed <laughs> to do with this? <laughs> it's, a, it's a Pontiac. Right. <laughs> they don't even make it anymore. <laughs> they haven't in 10 years. <laughs> well, Jeez. more than that. Right. Ramos held a similar party in June of 1923 during his problems with the government when he gave each female guest, guess what? <laughs> what did he give them? He gave him a brand new Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> what? This motherfucker, he's not give you Pontiac. Yeah, fuck. Well, Pontiacs are great back then. They're like, kind of like a Buick. Uh, 1923? Right. Pontiac was fucking tremendous. Luxury. Right. Luxury. Well, yeah. Until they got fucking, they couldn't kind of handle no more, man. Couldn't handle it anymore from 1923 to what 2000? Yeah, but they got bought by five GM. or something. They got bought out by Jim. Pontiac was Pontiac. Yeah, what are you gonna do on July 20th, 1899? Remus, Mir- 1899. Okay, now we're gonna go dive into his back. personal life. Yeah. On July 20th, 1925 years <laughs> earlier. Well, yeah, way way more than that. Right? 1899. Remus married Lillian Cloth. Their daughter was born in 1990. She's she, her name was Ramola Remus. Nice. Who became a child actress in silent films, playing cinema's first Dorothy Gale in the 1910 version of The Wizard of Oz? Oh shit! She was only eight years old. Oh the shit! The marriage ended in divorce in 1920, after Remus began an affair with his legal secretary Augusta Imogene Holmes. Oh. Holmes was a young divorcee with young daughter named Ruth. Mm. Remus and Holmes were married in Newport, Kentucky, in June of 1920. Ain't that fantastic? That's some good stuff there, right? Fucking Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. The first person to ever play it. His daughter. Right. Well, in 1925, Ramus's plan to use his legal knowledge to evade the law went awry. I thought you were going to pronounce it as Ari. <laughs> Ari. He was it indi- went Ari. He was indicted for thousands oh, of violations no. of the bullshit. Thousands. thousands. Damn. Convicted by a jury that made his decision in under two hours. And given a two-year federal prison. That's it. He was running all that time for two fucking years. Well, Come on. What are you going to do, man? He spent two years in Atlanta Federal Penitentiary for bootlegging. Well, what are you going to do? Well, while he was in prison, Remus befriended another inmate and eventually confided in him that his wife, Imogene Holmes, had control over his money. Right. The inmate was under... what The, <laughs> <laughs> the inmate was an undercover prohibition agent, Franklin Dodd, who was there to gather information of that sort. Whoa! Instead of reporting the information, though, Dodge resigned his job and began an affair with Remus's wife. Right. <laughs> Dodge and Holmes liquidated Remus's assets and hid much of the money as possible. In addition to attempting to deport Remus and even hiring a hitman to murder Remus for... Remus for $15,000. Wow. In addition, Remus's Fleshman distillery was sold by Holmes. Remus's wife gave her imprisoned husband only $100 of the multi-million dollar empire he created. Are you fucking serious? Wow. Wow. And in late 1927, M.O. Holmes filed for divorce from Remus on the way to court on October 6, 1927 for the finalization of the divorce. Remus had his driver chase the cab carrying Holmes and her daughter through Eden Park in Cincinnati, Ohio. Finally forcing it off the road, Remus jumped out and fatally shot Imogene. Oh, no, Imogene. Oh, no. In the abdomen in the front of the Spring House gazebo. To the horror 
of park onlookers. Oh, shit. And his daughter. Oh, no. Not his daughter. Her daughter. Her daughter. Oh, no. The prosecutor in the case was 30-year-old Charles Phelps Taft II, son of Chief Justice of the United States and former President William Howard Taft. Nice. And brother of the future Senator Robert A. Taft. Although he had lost his last big case against another bootlegger, Taft was seen as a man with bright political future. Right. His dad was president. Right. The trial made national headlines for a month as Remus defended himself on the murder charge. Remus pleaded temporarily, temporary insanity, and the jury deliberated only 19 minutes before acquitting him. Oh, shit. The state of Ohio then tried to commit Remus to an insane asylum since the jury found him insane, but prosecutors were thwarted by their previous claim, which was backed up by the prosecution's three well-known psychiatrists, right. that he could be tried for murder because he was not insane. So they're trying to... So they said he can be tried for murder because he's not insane, and then when he got off on insanity, they tried to admit him to a fucking asylum, but on their own thing of them saying, backed up by three psychiatrists saying he's not insane, he got off on that other technicality. So, <laughs> this fucking guy, huh? This, this fucking guy. guy. This fucking this guy. This fucking guy. Fucking great. Holy shit. Well, George Remus later moved to Covington, Kentucky, across the river, across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, where he lived out the next 20... Yeah, the next 20 years of his life modestly without incident. Okay. So he was like, fuck it. So that's good. He married for a third time and a final time, guys. <laughs> To his time. longtime secretary, Blanche Watson. Oh, Blanche. Blanche. Well, that's, a, that's so Foxy a 1930s Foxy name. Foxy I bet. Remus ran a small contracting firm, mm. Washington Contracting, he called it, until he suffered a stroke in August 1950. For the next two years, he lived in boarding house in Covington under the care of a nurse. Remus died on the 20th of January in 1952 at the age of 77. He was buried beside his wife, his third wife, at the Riverside Cemetery in Falmouth, Kentucky. Okay, Remus is the subject of Cred Holden's The Jazz Bird, a novel, Simon and Schuster, June of 2008. Remus was featured in the 2011 Ken Burns documentary Prohibition. Hmm. Texts written by Remus were read by Paul Giamatti. Nice. Remus has also been portrayed by Glenn Fleshler as a supporting character on HBO's Prohibition Bear, Pro, oh. Prohibition Era series, Boardwalk Empire. Okay, beginning in its second season. Oh shit! Which I haven't made it the second season yet. No. So. In the series, he's portrayed as having the quirk of referring to himself in the third person, which nice. we established, right? In uh, 2014, Queen City Whiskey started producing a small batch bourbon and rye whiskey named after George Remus. The whiskey was distilled locally and was being introduced in liquor stores and select bars throughout the Cincinnati region. Fantastic. Good for him. That's and I can tell nice. you um, I'm pleasantly surprised at what we learned today about George Remus because yes. I knew nothing about it. Good stuff. Never heard anything. This dude was a fucking savage. Beast. Good for him. George Remus, known as the fucking godfather of bootlegging, right? Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to have to mastermind at that. I'm going to have to uh, continue on Boardwalk Empire now because. Why haven't there been a movie made about this guy? Um, well, he was in Ken Burns's documentary, which no. everybody knows Ken Burns makes phenomenal documentaries. Yeah, George Remus, everybody. That's our third edition of Outlaws and Gunslingers. Prohibition era, George Remus. We had Al Capone the first episode. Lucky Luciano was our last one. Oh, Lucky you're, Lee. You're missing out. <laughs> hey, they both are in Bold Rock Empire. Look at that shit. Yes, they were. So that's three in a row, right? Go check those out. Ah!
I think the first one though is on. Wait, um, is the mayor from that town a fictional character? Yeah, City? He, he's no. based off of. Uh, no. He's based off people, but or whoever he is, the what is he the fucking? He's actually based off of. No, the, what is he? The Secretary of Treasury or some shit? He's the whatever. Yeah, yeah. but he's the, he's based off of the real guy of. Of what? Of fucking where he's at, Atlantic City or whatever. So who's the real guy? He's based off the real guy. Who's the real? Well, look it up. Why couldn't they do the real guy? Because. I mean, cuz, but make they, it, if you make it somebody else, it's a little more. You can make it more outlandish, right? You know, right? So, um, yeah, that's right. our third episode. Right. George Remus, I get, it. I get it. Look at this guy. That's, I learned something new today. Genuinely, George Remus. I learned something new. Uh, with uh, I hope nice. you guys learned something new as well at the same time. Cause Fantastic. It's good stuff. George Remus. George Remus. I don't know who hmm. we'll be back with next time. Maybe we'll do oh. Elliot and uh, Ness. Elliot Ness. Mm. Maybe we'll do him since he it. was the guy that brought down Al Capone and multiple other well, prohibition era gangsters. So we'll see. We will see. We'll be back next time with probably in this time. You're going to see some Monday Night Warch Lungs, which we're in week 88 of. Mm. 89 actually coming mm. up. We just recorded 89 or 88. Mm. Right. Lee and Corey on the case. They just released their brand new follow up to the pizza, the empty pizzeria part one. I haven't heard yet. Will Giovanni survive? Will they find Giovanni finally? Finally, after three months of waiting, everybody's gonna know. Been fucking forever, right? It's a good episode too, guys. You guys could go check that out. Lee and Corey on the case wherever you get your podcasts. We are the Mountain Michiganders with Brain Day.